Welcome to the Property CEO Podcast, your inside track to the world of property with your hosts, Ian Child and Richie Clapson. Hello and welcome to the Property CEO Podcast. My name's Ian Child and I'm here with Mr. Richie Clapson. Hello, everyone. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about something pretty important uh, in a project, which is good team communication, aren't we, Richie? That's right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you about how we should communicate within our team, how you really want to get on in your team, and uh, going to touch on the all-important five whys that we often talk about. The five whys, fantastic. Can't wait to hear all about that. So, uh, so what exactly have you been up to this week? Well, I've been working on my new presentation. Ah, yes. I've been quite excited about your new presentation, actually. Oh, have you? Why is that then? Well, because I want to see if you can make it out of the room alive. Okay. Now I'm worried. (laughs) What is it about my new presentation that makes you think I might not get out alive? Is it because maybe you're concerned I might mention Brexit? No, 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 no. no. It's your misguided notion of combining humour... With regional food specialities. What are you banging on about? What, you really don't know? No, no. Are you referring to my food jokes? Well done, Sherlock. Yes, I'm still <laughs> not getting at all why you think we need to make jokes about the local food specialities of the places where we speak. Well, I reckon it could be a good way to maybe win over just to maybe win a local audience. Bring them on side. Okay, so you're, you're, you're planning on making jokes about regional food dishes in presumably a sensitive and engaging way. Though. Oh, absolutely. Right. I, I noticed that you didn't make any jokes at our last workshop in Basingstoke. Well, yeah, that's technically true, but then Basingstoke doesn't have a lot going for it in terms of sort of local recipes that I could find anything to make a joke about. Okay. So, so you think we should only then hold workshops in places where there's kind of like a strong regional dish? Yeah, do you know, I think that's that's going to make it a lot easier for me, if I'm honest. Good Um Let me just uh, make a note here and uh, get the team to rebook all of our hotels for the rest of the year. Fantastic. So, we're presenting in London next. Uh, what jokes have you got lined up for, for there? Uh, London, pie and mash jokes. Pie and mash. Yeah, um, it's traditional in London. R- right. Have you, have you actually been to London? Uh, Anyway, we're actually presenting in, uh, well, just near Putney, which, if I'm honest, isn't exactly heaving in pie and mash shops last time I looked. Okay, all right, right. Well, that's fair enough. But what would be a better choice then? Uh, well, um, I mean, I've had some good braised leeks and mozzarella in a place just over Putney Bridge, although mm, not really sure you'd kind of class it as a local speciality. i tell you what. Uh, crab linguine that could uh, that could work okay look, well maybe let, let's ask skip london um where are we presenting after that where's where's the next uh after london that is uh birmingham well okay that's all sorted then is it yeah curry jokes curry jokes yeah the best curries the absolute best curries come from birmingham it's the curry capital of britain in fact i've already nailed some uh, some real belters for birmingham that i can't wait to try out you've nailed some belters yeah. why doesn't that fill me with confidence Right, well, given that I'm, I'm going to be co-presenting in these workshops, can we at least keep these food gags to a minimum? OK, how many am I allowed? Well, if I'm honest, none sounds like quite a good number. If I'm been, uh... <laughs> What? Look, I've got, I've got some gags in there, some real good ones. I've got to have them in there. And I'll tell you what, why don't we compromise? Let's meet in the middle. 
Okay, so how many gags would that be? Six. Right, and that's the compromise, is it? Yeah. Well, I've got 12 jokes lined up, so six will be halfway. Sorry, you've got 12 jokes in the presentation about food. I I thought we were hosting a workshop on industrial conversions. Are we actually doing Live at the Apollo, and you haven't told me about it? If so, I think I may need to work a little bit on my content. Yeah, well, to be fair, you definitely need to work on your content. Uh, and <laughs> and I'm, just try- I'm just trying to make sure at least one of us gets a few laughs. Yeah, well, we, we, we may also need to change how we advertise these events, of course, because most people think they're coming to find out how to make a fortune uh, from converting industrial buildings. So it kind of be nice if we managed to squeeze in some, some property training amongst all the, uh, the yeah, one-liners. Look, look, look you, you need a bit of humour to get the crowd going, don't you? You've got to agree with that. When you say get the crowd going, did, did you mean having them physically leave the building? I think that, that could be a, a, a oh, real possibility. Oh, come on, look, how, how many jokes can I have then? Okay, given that you asked so nicely, uh, you can have one. One joke? Yep, but I need to know which joke it's going to be because uh, you do have an uncanny knack of telling jokes that only you find funny. Okay, okay, so which one should I do? I don't know. Um, tell you what, give me, give me your best, best three curry jokes and I'll pick one. Just three, but they're all, they're all so, mm, so, so good. No, 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 not the ones I've heard. Go on then, hit, hit me with them. Okay, right, don't tempt me. Uh, <laughs> okay, what about this one? Are you ready? Yep, do your worst. What's 90 degrees but not very hot? I don't know. What's 90 degrees and not very hot? Chicken corner. Chicken corner. What's wrong with that? <laughs> where, 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 where do I start? Um, that is genuinely terrible. I did... did you make that one up all by yourself yeah I, I was quite proud of that one I mean I thought uh, I'd be fair I thought I'd leave with one of my strongest have you uh, have you got any others that perhaps you know <laughs> were made up by, by people who are funny okay what about this one okay what tastes of onions and looks good by the pool I don't know what tastes of onions and looks good by the pool ready yep bargy smugglers oh <laughs> Okay, just to be clear, these are your your best three gags, aren't they? Okay, okay. What what about this? This is a classic. Here we go. Oh, okay. Ready? Yeah. What is chicken taka? Right. I don't know what is chicken taka. It's chicken tikka, but a little lotter. Oh. Right. I, I've got a I've got a question for you. <laughs> what's that what's your question do you what's... think that you could do this presentation uh with two half bricks in your jacket pockets why there's some sort of nlp presenting trick you've got there then no no it's just in case there's a lynch mob i want to be able to outrun you <laughs> oh very funny very funny you just worry you know you worry too much it's absolutely it'd be fine you know but enough of this idle chit chat anyway come on right what are we here to talk about? Let's get rid of all the curry jokes. Um, let's get on with some serious stuff. Well, we didn't... Yeah, you're right. We didn't come in to talk about curry jokes. In fact, today we're going to hear all about project team communication because that's quite an important part of uh, your professional team and making sure it all gels together, isn't it? Right, so I'm going to be professional for a little bit, shall I? Oh, wow. Do you need to, do you need to kind of build up to it? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm in. I'm in right. the zone. I'm in the zone. Okay, what I want to talk about today is I want to talk about project team communication. I want to talk about how you communicate formally 
with all the parties in the contract in your you know your your development contract so i want to talk about a contractual tree and the communication paths that work in there i want to talk about getting on with your team because a lot of people they just fall out the amount of developers i see at the end of the day and everyone's arguing with everyone else so you want to get on with your team and i want to then touch on about you remembering you're the CEO, you're the chief executive officer and, and the use of the five whys. So I'm going to touch on the five whys and what they're all about Fantastic. today. Okay. Uh, looking forward to the bit about getting on with your team. That should be quite revelatory. Well, do you know, for a lot of people it is. And I've never ever, in my 35 years, fallen out with a whole team. I've never, we've had a few people that maybe we just didn't want to work with again, but we've never fallen out. And I think there's ways that you go about it. Fantastic. Okay, so firstly, let's just touch on this sort of uh, contractual tree and communications path route because people get get attached to development projects a little bit emotionally, and that can be a real problem. And particularly new developers, you know, we, you, you get involved in a project, you tend to treat it, if you're not careful, as your own home. Yes. So you get then sucked in of, oh, I want, I want to be absolutely part of it. You know, I really want to make sure that I'm in with every meeting with the architect because I want to make sure the design is just what I want. Sure, you're the developer. You need to make sure they're delivering what you want. But largely as a new developer and even as an experience, you're taking advice off a number of other people. So you're taking advice off of an estate agent at the back end. Um, maybe you're taking advice off of an architect in terms of space planning, a structural engineer on what can stand up, a cost consultant in what you can afford to build. And generally, you know, there's not a lot of room in there for emotion. And if and if you start bringing that in, that's when, when problems become. So you actually want to leverage your team to run the project for you. You know, in the nicest possible way, I don't want to be going down to site every few minutes and, and, and chatting to everyone and, and perhaps stopping them and slowing them up and them asking me for instructions. And then, oh, now I'm sucked in. I've got to go back to the office and I've got to write an email to the project manager and give an instruction. Or that then gets taken out of context and actually they've done something and it was never costed. So you can end up with a real mess of communication paths if it's not clear to everyone within the team of who's supposed to instruct who. So what I suggest everyone does is draw up a communication tree, a contractual tree, or okay. get your project manager to do one. So I've always either done this myself or I get my project manager. And a project actually we started four weeks ago on site. I asked the project manager to put one together. We had an initial meeting and I said to the project manager, okay, you're running the project. All instructions come through you. How are we going to communicate? How does it want to work? And he said, don't worry, I'll put a communication tree together of who instructs who and everyone's contact details on there. And that's what we're going to follow. The contractor was around the table, the architect, the structural engineer, myself. And, and you know, we're all there. And basically, we all agreed to buy into this route. So quite often what, what, what I would do is say, OK, as the client, I only really want to work with one person in terms of instructions. Yeah. And I want to work with the project manager. Of course. Or possibly the lead consultant. If I don't have a project manager, my lead consultant could be my architect. And I just want to deal with them. So they're going to tell me what decisions I need to make. They're going to give me the information from the rest of the design team. And I'm going to make an informed decision. And then when I say, yes, that's what I want to do. So I want to change the layout because something's come up. I want to move a wall or... Uh, in fact, my estate agent said, no, gloss white kitchens aren't in anymore, country cottages, I want to change the specification. 
I go through the project manager because the project manager then can go out because they're, you know, they're, they're experienced, they're educated in what they're doing there. They can go out to everyone that has an implication or an input into that decision. That's what they're experienced to do. So they can ask the architect, okay, the client wants to change the kitchen from white gloss to country cottage. Is that okay? And the architect might say, absolutely fine. The structural engineer might say it's fine. The interior designer might say, ah, yeah, okay, but we're going to have to change the lighting because the lighting needs to be different for, I don't know. So they go out to all the individuals. And of course, including within that, they might go out to the contractor. Say the contractor, you've already priced for white gloss. We're now going country cottage, shaker style or something. Can you give me the price difference? Maybe it's cheaper. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's more expensive. But then, of course, that can come back to me. The project manager can say, okay, you want to make this decision. The cost implication is X. The time implication, because it could have a time implication because there could be a longer order, is Y. I've then got all the information I need and I can decide whether I want to do that. If it's absolutely certain that the uh, estate agent says, yeah, you've got to do that because they just don't sell in white gloss anymore, then I know I've got to make that decision. If the estate agent said, well, you're going to get another couple of thousand pounds per flat if you do that, but it's going to cost me £3,000 per flat to change, then I won't. I get all the information I need to change it. But the important thing is when I actually make that final decision, the project manager issues the instruction to the contractor knowing that there's a price that's been agreed and knowing that there's an extension of time if needed yeah. or a reduction in price and a reduction in program has all been agreed. Yeah. And all the paperwork goes in place because construction projects, development projects, like any other project in any industry, they rely on paperwork and communication paths. And you can imagine the worst case scenario almost that you, you wander on a site um, and you get asked a question uh, because you're perceived as being the ultimate, you know, you're the CEO, and and you give an instruction, uh, but then that instruction hasn't gone through the agreed process. It hasn't come from the project manager who doesn't know about it. Uh, the contractor's taken it as gospel and now makes a decision and, and, and it all you know, incurs some costs. It just means that you, you'll end up with all these pockets of decisions and, and nothing, there's, there's no master plan. And what you end up with is surprises. Mm. And, and, and this particular meeting I was referring to, my opening line generally on this is, I as the developer don't want any surprises at the end of this contract. Yeah. And I'm assuming neither do you, Mr. Contractor, or Mr. Architect, and so on and so forth. So the contractor doesn't want to assume that, yes, you give these instructions, as you say they're in, he thinks or she thinks that's what they can price. They then put another £10,000 bill in at the end of the contract, and then I'm I'm on the floor thinking, well, where's that come from? And the contractor's saying, well, that's what you instructed me. And I say, well, you never told me it was additional cost. Well, you never asked. Surely you knew it was. Well, no, because I'm not experienced. You can see, and it will lead on to my other point in a minute about never falling out with your team. You can see this is where people do fall out. out, Of course. So this is one key essential thing: is keep your communication paths working. And again, this applies to your architect, your structural engineer, and all your other consultants, because your lighting consultant could go on site and make a suggestion. The contractor takes it as an instruction. Additional cost comes in. Whereas never, you know, the the lighting consultant just said it's a better idea. They didn't think it was going to be an additional cost. Mm -hmm. Well, the contractor said, well, it wouldn't have been, but I'd already ordered the old lights and I had to change them. So if everything comes back through this one route, and normally that's, say, your project manager or your lead consultant, and all the instructions go to the contractor, you won't have surprises um, and all the communication will flow a lot easier. Because presumably in that scenario, that example, 
if the uh, if he has gone out and bought new lighting on the strength of the lighting engineer's visit, then you'll be quite within your rights to turn around and say, well, that didn't come from the project manager. That was the agreed route. So Absolutely, yeah. So cost. set your stall out right at the beginning and everyone knows and you won't get surprises. So my first point is, is have a contractual tree showing all the communication paths and ask your project manager or your lead consultant to put it together. And, and then you're under control yourself as well because if you are a new developer and you're tempted to be getting a bit emotional, th- this will control you as well. So it's a good self-control route. Fantastic. So, uh, well, as ever, I think communication generally is such an important aspect of, uh, of working with your, uh, with your project team. Okay, so that's the first point. Uh, and then uh, you were talking about yeah, keeping the relationship, making sure that you get on with your team. Yeah, and, and, and the contractual tree will help you. So the second point is absolutely in is getting on with your team. It's important to, to remember the professional team, they work for you. You know, they're, they're professionals, their objective is, is to win clients and get paid fees to do work. So they work for you. You know, they, they want to they generally want to please you, um, but they're there for you to instruct and, 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 and you know, to, to help you out and deliver your end goal. Generally, it's a win-win because you're all, in theory, on the same song sheet. Of course. So, you know, you, you're employing them and you need to get on with them. So don't employ someone, even from the outset, if you don't get on with them. Yep. Now I've seen people say, "Oh well, you know they're they're a great architect, so I'm going to take them on." Yeah, but they're obnoxious and rude. Yeah, but I put up with that. No, mm. I wouldn't. Yeah. I'd want to make sure first and foremost I got on with them. Now I'm not; they're not even going to be on my list. I'm not even going to interview them unless someone's recommended them. So if you're a brand new developer and you know you're, you've given an architectural name or a structural engineer, you, you know that's going to be from someone who's referred them. And said they're great. Yeah. You're going to go out and get references, and maybe look at their previous work or their pre- talk to their previous clients. So you're not even going to get to the stage where you're going to think about working with them, unless you've got all those boxes ticked. So let's assume they're technically they're competent. Maybe the architect down the road is a slightly better architect, but if you can't get on with them, there's no point. Recipe for disaster. Absolutely. So I would always say, okay, at, at the at the absolute utmost, I've got to get on with them. These are people that. A similar sort of maybe, you know, they, they, they see the world the same as me. They've got the same values as me. And they're going to be willing to work with me. Because sure, as X or X, there is going to be some tough times ahead in projects. You know, development projects, construction projects, they're archaic. Really are. If you think about it, your car, which is your, you know, second or third you know, most expensive purchase in your life. And your developments are probably the most expensive purchase. They're probably more expensive than your own property. Cars are made in a factory by processes and robots and, you know, yep. where we build projects like houses and flats. Generally, there is some modular stuff going on and built in factories, but, you know, 80, 90% of what gets built in this country is built by thousands of individuals and lots of different trades, all building it by hand. Yeah. It's a very archaic process. And that that's all going to be built from information that's been drawn up by professionals sat in offices they've got to communicate it to bricklayers and electricians and plumbers to be built on site and inevitably there's going to be problems there's going to be miscommunication there's going to be details that's going to be wrong there's going to be just general issues that the site throws up there's going to be bits of deteriorated materials that you never expected to find there's going to be asbestos that suddenly jumps out and you never saw it because for some reason intrusive Mm -hmm. investigation didn't see it so in these tough times, you need to feel that your professional team are on your side. So if you've got a good relationship and you build yeah. a good relationship and it all goes back to, you know, pop out to have a bite to eat with your architect and your structure manager. Get to know them. 
know what they're about what what's what ticks their boxes in life what are they interested in i think there's a, there's a couple of things that spring to mind with that one is uh, is also make sure you treat them fairly one of the things that can happen on developments is that perhaps somebody particularly the contractor may have omitted for example to include a small bit of cost and and that's that's his fault. Mm. Well, actually, do you know if you accept that and say, well, that's okay. I understand it needs to be done, so we'll pick up the tab for that. Then guess what? When it comes to the boot being on the other foot, and perhaps you need a bit of there needs to be a bit of give and take the other way. You're much more likely to get it. You're not guaranteed to get it, but it, it just having that that kind of attitude and thinking of it as a, you know with the other person's hat on, uh, then that can really help you out. Think as a team. Think as a team, and I think what you said there is absolutely right because contractually, uh, you know, this is where you're the developer overall. You're this is one of your skill sets. It should be the people management, mm. and sometimes you're going to have to override your project manager or lead consultant and the contractual position because they might say, on that scenario you mentioned there, Ian, no, 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 you definitely don't have to pay for that. It's contractor's fault. Mm. He forgot it, but you know that perhaps your professional team made a mistake and it wasn't on the drawings. Yeah. And it wasn't that expensive. And as you say, just that little bit of giving, that buys you a huge amount of, of goodwill, of goodwill mm. back from that contractor the other way. Uh, and you never know when you might need that. Even if it's not cost-related, it's just yep. that extra push to get the project over the line at the end or whatever it might be. So it's really, really important that, that, that you get on with your team. And that's your skill set you've got to use. So don't fall out with them, even if you're tempted. That's the big, to, yeah. to me, that's the big skill set because actually when the going's good, everybody's, you know, happy oh, and it's, it's easy. quite easy to have a relationship. The real challenge comes when, you, when you, yeah, you, you've got a problem or you, you, everybody's got their backs against the wall. You want to avoid a situation where people end up getting polarised and, and kind of it's you against them. You, you want to be able to bring people on side to be able to keep that relationship even though you might be uh, frustrated or angry or, or in a difficult situation, yeah, you need to be able to keep those relationships going. And being able to do that across your professional team uh, is, I think, the mark of a, of a good developer because yeah. then you know you can get yourself out of trouble as a team and then do you know, move on and do project after project after project. You know, there's, there's um, so many times I see it new and even a lot of existing developers who sort of you know, fudge their way through projects and relationships and they fall out. And part of the fact it's not enjoyable and, and mm. if we're doing development and if you're if you're trying to get into development as as a new person out there you know you're trying to change your life you're trying to do something you enjoy okay yes you're gonna you're gonna make some some pretty life-changing amounts of money but but actually you want to you want to buy some enjoyable stuff in your life you want to you know time and enjoy what you're doing you don't want to be arguing with people every five minutes and even if it does descend into a big argument and and these can happen there's be a point where you've got to be the bigger person and you've just got to draw a line under it and you've just got to maybe say let's say you've fallen out with a contractor you've just got to stop and say right okay come on let's go for a drink Mm. let's go have a sandwich let's go grab a coffee let's put everything behind us forget everything that we've all been arguing about let's start afresh this afternoon what can i do to help you get over the line what can you do and and because most people when you pull them to one side and then you understand what they're frustrated about and you you take the point because you're the bigger person here you've got to understand their problems and then you try and help them they'll help you back and so you it's never too late if it's all fallen apart Absolutely. it's never too late to to get back the uh, the relationship you, you end yeah you walk a mile in their shoes and it's amazing the perspective that you get and i guess that leads on to your your final point which is about you being the ceo 
Yeah, and this is the five whys. You know, the the five whys, uh, and if you don't know out there, this is a process which uh, Toyota come up with, and it's a process of, so this is not, you know, it's not something we've just made up, but it's so, so effective. And this is you, as the CEO, not really knowing the detail of what's going on down beneath you, uh, maybe with some of the professionals or with the contractor. So if, if the contractor's jumping up and down and shouting, would you know why? Well, if you don't know why, ask. Don't just assume, oh, that's got something to do with the professionals. I'll leave it at that. Or just all contractors shout. No, they don't. You yeah. know, they might shout if they're under, because they're under pressure themselves. They've got a business. They're trying mm-hmm. to make it work. So, you know, you've got to think about this. That, that Just ask, ask why. You know, you are the CEO at the top there. If you've got a gut feeling that something's wrong, um, then you're probably correct. So, so ask why. So, so why, what, you know, what's going on? Why, why are you getting so cross? Yeah. Well, you might get an answer from the contractor then. Well, because this has happened. Well, why has that happened? Well, because your structural engineer has done this. Well, why has he done that? And actually, you might find if you do that same process with the structural engineer, it's just a miscommunication. Yeah. You're normally with the five whys, you can you can drill down to the point where it becomes clearer. That's it. The five why process. If, root cause, isn't it? Yeah. You're going to get to the point where actually you find the answer and you can deal with it. You know, or if you get to the point on the five whys that you know, you, you're, someone's pulling the wool over your eyes, you're going to yeah. establish that. Now, you might not be able to totally understand that, but that's when you might need to say, let's say you were chatting with the contractor, okay, look, I think we need a three-way meeting, let's get the project manager in, yeah. because they can then help you. And we've talked about that before, haven't we, how uh, it's a mindset thing for you as a developer to play the role of the CEO, uh, to be the person that's kind of, your, your job here is pulling a team together it's not the job of being an experienced developer. It's two very different things. And so you have absolutely every right to ask questions and get answers that you understand in your language. Yes. And if and if you don't, and you, quite often you find here that it, you, you get answers, and we've said this before, that your professional team may not be being dishonest to you, but perhaps they haven't thought or perhaps they're... They're not. They're not thinking about giving you the most cost-effective solution for you. Maybe it's the easiest solution for them, and you want to try and tease those opportunities out if you can. Yeah, and I think that often happens. You need to again. You, you're talking about put yourself in someone else's shoes. Your professionals could be on a fairly tight fee. Mm-hmm. You know, they've won this in competition. Let's say it was your architect, and they've they've cut their fee down as much as they really wanted, and now you're asking them to do a load of additional work maybe because the contractors made a mistake on site, mm-hmm. maybe because the building threw up some issues that no one expected, and now you're asking the uh, the architect to redo some of their drawings. Well, the architect, he or she, you know, their team's probably on something else. They're probably working on another project. For them yeah. to come back, it's going to be quite costly. Maybe they're just thinking that you want them to do it for free. Mm. Well, actually, maybe you're not thinking of that at all. You could be perfectly happy to pay them. Yeah, and do you know, sometimes just paying a few hundred pound or, or, or even a, even a thousand pound or something to a professional could save you thousands on site. Because oh, yeah. you've yeah. either got the choice of the contractor has to completely change something, knock it all down, rebuild it, or the architect tweaks their drawing and you pay them £700 for tweaking it, reissuing it, altering the specification, you know, you could save you could save thousands just by going in the, going around it in a different way. And I think it's well worth remembering, actually, that all of your professional team receive fees. And there's, a, there's one of the oldest um, kind of challenges quite often that you come across just in property generally is where you hear people say, I, I managed to negotiate the agent, he's going to sell them for me at a quarter of a percent. Yeah. Well, if you've got what you sell, if he's in your property at a quarter percent and he's got another developer who's giving him one percent, 
who's going to whose development yeah. is going to get the more effort the more time and have the more goodwill yeah. and so it can be really a false economy sometimes to, to shortchange the people that you pay fees to yeah don't, you know don't don't not do good deals but don't squeeze people too yeah. much that's yeah. that's the, the the really important point so you know you are the ceo you are entitled to have put stuff into your language is what you mentioned earlier Ian. don't don't feel embarrassed to say okay uh, yeah, you've just told me that, but in technical terms, can you now put it in my language? Yeah. Now, we, we as a new developer, if we go on the site, I think all too often we would feel a bit embarrassed with that. Hmm. But I think it's no problem to say, okay. sorry, I don't understand. Yeah. I'm not Because you're not stupid. As, as a CEO, you're not stupid. You just don't understand that industry. And again, it, it it's all about having the mindset that you are the entrepreneur that is bringing some people together to build a development. You're not coming there as the expert that's built 200 no. houses before. I mean, that's, and that's bear in mind, yeah. you're paying pretty much everyone's wages yeah. out of your develop by you being an entrepreneur and creating this opportunity. You're paying all their wages, so you know y- you will have that respect. So command that respect, take it, yeah. um, and just ask those questions. Use this five wise technique to just ask why. If you're not sure of the answer, ask why again. If you're not sure, just go down. And as we say, normally by the fifth why, you've pretty much covered it. So I think to sort of summarize in this communications thing, uh, really important, have a communication path route, the tree, communication tree. Who's talking to who? Who can give instructions to who? Particularly when you get onto site to make sure everyone's in the loop and you don't get any surprises. Mm -hmm. Uh, Use this sort of process of the five whys. You are the CEO. You know, you're entitled to ask staff questions and no one's going to think any less of you for doing that and get it in your language be conscious of the fact that other people have problems walk i love what you said walk in their shoes for a little bit understand what they're about maybe just a few extra pound here or there just helps get the whole thing over the line but whatever happens with all of this do not fall out with your team because if you fall out you're then all back to the point of of communicating by emails or, or letters when actually just pick up the phone go and have a coffee that actually normally puts the world to right. Well, the, the strength of property development is that you are able to be the CEO without having those skill sets because you're leveraging all of these wonderful people that have got decades of experience in their disciplines. If if they all turn against you, then actually you do become an island potentially yeah. because you're then left without their support. And that's absolutely not the place you want to be. So you, as you say, be the bigger person. Uh, make sure that you're dealt with fairly, but but also in return that you deal fairly with others yeah. and uh, yeah, keep those relationships. And I can tell you in 35 years, I've never fallen out with a team. So you can get it to work. Fantastic. Richie, that's amazing. Thank you so much for that. Uh, afraid that's all we've got time for in this episode. Hopefully uh, you'll be able to find the time to join us next time when we'll be giving you uh, the inside track from yet another part of the property world. In the meantime, please feel free to check out our other episodes. And, of course, you can visit our website, which is at propertyceo.co.uk. But until next time, it's goodbye from us both. Goodbye. Goodbye.